So let's get ready to get into the word. Let's welcome our lead pastor, Pastor Joe and Brian up. Amen. Thank you, Raina. Thank you so much. Doesn't she do a great job? On, uh, such an awesome communicator. Thank you so much. Amen. All right, so uh, everybody's scattered all over the room, and everybody knows how much I don't like that. So would you please start moving up to the front because it's very difficult to concentrate when you've got people scattered all over the room. Don't run all at once because we don't want you to get hurt. Maybe we should read Isaiah 119. Anybody know what Isaiah 119 says? Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody say, thank God for the word. Just <laughs> something holding my chair back over here. What is that? I don't think so. All right. How's everybody doing? Good. So now we're, we're, Labor Day's passed, it's gone. Now we're in local summer, where we get to enjoy the shore, right? Hallelujah. Thank God. All right, Brian, why don't you uh, go over what we're talking about here? What's the topic? So we're talking about the abundant life. We're talking about the very real fact that when we talk about salvation, Though going to heaven is the most important thing, we can experience salvation here on earth. And we can experience abundant life here on earth. We can prosper as our soul prospers. We can have healing. We can see miracles in our lives. And there are other things that are promised to us, but in order to receive those promises and the benefits of those promises, we got to know what the promises are. And we got to believe the promises. And like Pastor just mentioned, we got to be obedient, yes. and we have to confess Amen. those promises in faith. Amen? Amen? Brian and I were having a conversation in my office before service started. And I said to him, this is one of the hardest concepts for people to accept because we're born into a world that is under a curse. And... This is all we know. So we think, well, it's natural for us to have to suffer. It's natural for us to have to do without. It's natural for us to be sick. It's natural for us. It's that, and, and, and it is not. It's, this is the world. That's the way it is. Yes. And, but it's because everything from Genesis chapter 2, well, Genesis chapter 3 on, is life under the curse. Now, that's a major part of Scripture. But Jesus came back, came, came to the earth, and will come back mm -hmm. to restore Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Amen. Now, grasp this, because if you don't grasp this, you're not going to get anything here tonight. Okay? Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. What's the main points there? God says, I've given you dominion mm -hmm. over the earth. Okay, he created them in his likeness and in his image. Okay, now if we created him in his likeness and his image, do we see God sick? No. Do we see him lacking? No. Do we see him depressed, oppressed? No. No, so, so we forget Jesus came here to give, uh, get us back to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. Now, there's a whole lot of time that's gone by. But when we get born again, he gives us the opportunity because the life of God has come into us. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, does anybody know what that word is uh, for, for the God kind of life? Zoe. Zoe kind of life. Now, Zoe kind of life doesn't just stop us from going to hell or save us from going to hell. Mm -hmm. it's, it's restoration, spirit, soul, and body. Okay, now, we don't experience all of it here. In the spirit realm, we do. Mm -hmm. But there's some things when Christ returns or when we meet him, then we'll get redeemed 
100%. But then even then, we get redeemed, but the earth hasn't been redeemed yet. This earth is going to look very different once God's done with it, after Jesus comes and sets up his throne here on the earth. I've said this before. You know, we... You know, many of us will post pictures on Facebook, beautiful scenery, okay? P- people will travel all over the, the world to go see different scenes and waterfalls. The reality is this place is a dump compared to what it was supposed to look like and what it looked like before sin came into the earth mm-hmm. and before the flood and all that that came upon the earth. So, so because so much of the Word of God deals with issues like poverty and lack, sickness and disease, all the results of sin. Okay, we think this is the way it's supposed to be, but it's not. It's not. God's will is for us to prosper. Now, what does prosperity mean? Now, we almost always associate prosperity with with finances, and and it, it does include that. But a believer in, in, let's say, in Africa, that lives in a village with mud huts, okay? Prosperity for him is that God sends him rain so that his crops will grow. That's prosperity. Now, to that person, that's as much as if you and I get a big promotion on a job and all of a sudden, you know, we can pay our bills and we can feed our families and we can do all this other stuff. It's still prosperity. This earth was created to produce prosperity. It did not become a place of toil and sweat and all these other things until after sin came into this earth. Now, we have to be dominion-minded. We have to be cautious of the fact that God wants his kingdom to be established on the earth. Okay? And in Deuteronomy, it tells us that it's he that gives us the ability to gain wealth that his covenant would be established on the earth. Now, you remember, God spoke to to the Israelites through many different individuals, but the common theme was this. I've blessed you so that you would provoke the Gentile nations to want to know me. He blessed them to the point where people were jealous and want to know, what do you have that we don't have? How come we're dying as a civilization, but you're, you're doing fine? Okay, so you have the Queen of Sheba, travels all the way from Ethiopia all the way to Jerusalem. And when she gets there and she sees the prosperity, she says, I wasn't even told the half of of what's going on here. Now, get away from the material stuff. Prosperity to us means that I have what it takes to lift a burden in somebody else's life. Now, a lot of times that's going to be financial because we live in a system that's very financial oriented. You can't do anything without money today, okay? Um, But we should also prosper in the sense of that I wouldn't have enough love in my heart to reach reach out to somebody. I should have enough ability to comfort someone. You know, know there's nobody in here, but you know there's people that they don't worth two cents to somebody who's going through grief or going through anxiety. They just don't have it in you. And so we'll complain sometimes. They can't give you what they don't have. So, to, so prosperity means that I have not only uh, the material wealth or the material goods that I need to help somebody, but even way more important, because it's easy to come by money today. Easiest thing in the world, especially in this country. Forget it. All right? But what about having the presence of the Holy Spirit? What about the ability to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit? so that I can bring a word of comfort to somebody. Are you listening? What good is it? We all know people that have money, and they're miserable. They won't lift a finger to help you. You also know people who have money who are cheap. Cheap? I don't mean cheap, like, I really mean, like, they know people have needs, and they're so, mine, 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 me, 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 I work so hard for this, that they won't, that... Because their soul hasn't prospered. Their soul hasn't they, prospered. They don't understand that. They have a prospered. poverty mentality. Yeah. They have no trust of God that... I know somebody used to wash their paper towels and hang them up <laughs> to reuse them. You talk about somebody who's miserable. Yeah. yeah. So it's more I than had just enough money. money to buy the whole factory that made the paper towels. <laughs> what does that tell us? That person is not prospering. I don't care how much money they have, I mean, how much real estate. They're not prospering. If what we have is not benefiting the kingdom and it's not benefiting another individual, you're not prospering. 
Now, on the other end, we all know what we all of us know people that they're just living paycheck to paycheck. But they'll give you their shirt off their back. They'll go home and make a fantastic meal for you. And God will supply for them to be able to do it. Why? Because that's prosperity. That's prosperity. But if you don't understand the character of God, and by the way, we're starting a series this weekend that's going to kind of work hand in hand with what we're talking about on Wednesday nights. If you don't understand that part of God, that's, he is good. He's generous. He doesn't withhold anything from us. But if you don't get that, then you're always going to have a hard time with this prosperity thing, with the, with the abundant life. Why? Because you, you, not, only, not only do you, you don't believe it for yourself, but I don't want you to have it either. Not only do I not want you to have it. Right. Not only do I not, I don't have it, but I don't want you to have it either. Yeah. And let me tell you something. That is completely contrary to the, to the heart of God. And, and when you meet somebody who's truly understood the idea of, of prosperity and, and, and being a blessing to other people, they don't just bless people. They don't just um, rise up to the occasion when the occasion presents itself. When you see a truly prosperous person who's looking to be a blessing, they're seeking out the opportunity Absolutely. To be a for somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the heart of God. He's seeking out Pastor the Beth is sitting on the front row here. She's, she's the head of the pastoral department, right? Mm-hmm. When there's a tragedy that comes, what's the first thing we do? Call the people and see how we can help them. Mm-hmm. What can we do to help? Can we provide meals? Mm-hmm. What, what can we help with? What, do we need somebody? Does somebody? Can somebody come to the house and, and, and pray? What, we, the, first, the first thing we do is, because in a tragedy... People, we, people need each other. We need each other. We should be there for each other. And most people going through something don't want to ask for help. No, a lot of times they won't ask for help. So if you're not seeking the opportunity, right. sometimes that opportunity right. will be missed. Right. We'll hear it all the time. Oh, Pastor, you've got so many other people to take care of. No, no, no. Right now it's you that we need to take care of. You're the important person right now. I mean, I think that's the heart of God. But you see, if you have a, a miserable poverty mentality and you always think that God gives you stuff with an eyedropper... Yeah. You're not going to have that kind of heart to seek out people to bless. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking for somebody to bless you. <laughs> yeah. And, so. and you're going to be stealing paper towels from Costco. Or, or and you'll be, pot, yeah. Paper towels from Costco. Or you'll be fighting <laughs> with somebody over toilet paper in the supermarket. Right? All right. Why don't we go to Psalm 103? So are you getting the gist of this? Are you getting where we're going here? You've got to have a kingdom mentality. You've got to have a dominion mentality. Because Jesus came to die on the cross so that we would have authority over the enemy. Always gets a lot of amens. So we're at the bottom of page 88, and we're going to read Psalm 103, starting in verse 1. So it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your, your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, does that sound like a God who wants to withhold from you? No. He's, he, he's coming out saying, not only am I going to take care of your sins, but I'll, I'll also take care of the diseases that came in your life as a result of sin. Now, let me explain that, because right away, somebody went, well, that means I sinned because I got sick. No, no, no. Sin comes into the world, and when sin came into the world, it brought physical sickness, sickness of the soul, oppression, depression, all these things, spiritual death, all of these things. So, this psalm here is extremely important. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. In other words, first and foremost, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And the fact of the matter is most of the church has forgotten all of his benefits. Most people in in the church only concentrate on when I die, I don't have to go to hell. Okay, that's fine if you get saved at 98. Well, yeah, they stop at verse 3. Right, they stop at verse 3. He forgives all of our iniquities. Right. Now, if if I get born again at 98 years old, I only got, let's face it, how many years I'm going to be here? So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but if I get saved as a teenager, yeah. I got a long life ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't want to forget his benefits. I want to know all of his benefits. Right. And I think, and I believe with all my heart that we can say this with all confidence, 
It blesses the Father when we are blessed by his benefits. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, my Father's glorified when we produce fruit and when we enjoy the fruits of his promises. That brings glory to the Father. So why, why some people would want to hold on to poverty and hold on to lack and, and, and try to prove that this is God, I don't understand it. Because again, let's go back to Genesis chapter one. Verse, uh, well, you know what, hold on. Does anybody have any questions up until this point? Anybody have any questions up until this point? Okay, so let's go back to Genesis chapter one and chapter two. Okay, okay. that is, God bless you. That is like, you know, years ago when I first moved down here, when my wife and I first got married, you could spend the whole weekend going to model homes. Because there were so many different neighborhoods and developments and stuff that were, that were, you know, this is when Bricktown wasn't as overcrowded as it is now. You're talking 40 years ago, more than that, 45 years ago, 46 years ago. Okay, you could spend the whole day going from this model home, that model home, this model. Why does what is a model home there for? To show, show you what, what you the other have. ones are supposed to be like. Well, the Garden of Eden is a model home. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a model home. You go there, you go to the Garden of Eden, you say, oh, this is what the house is supposed to be like. Do you see any suffering in the Garden of Eden? No. Do you see poverty? No. Do you see lack? No. Do you see sickness? No. Even the rain came up from the ground. It didn't yeah. come down. It yeah. came up. Yeah. So, and even if God sees something that's not comfortable for man, mm-hmm. he comes immediately corrects it. What does he say? It's not good for man to be alone. And what does God do? Does he, wait a second. Does he, does he go to Adam, okay, I'm going to leave you alone because you need to suffer to find out how to follow me, or you need to suffer so that you develop character. No, what does he do? He immediately takes care of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. He immediately comes in to relieve that suffering, yeah. that loneliness. Mm-hmm. If he did that then, why do we think that he would do anything less now? Why do we always paint God as this evil villain sitting up in heaven, waiting for you to make the wrong move so that he could squash you or send a lightning bolt? The only thing I can think of is, well, you're Pastor Joe, and God loves you, and you... You know, like you're a pastor and you have special gifts and God really loves you, but me, I'm just... Yeah, but he blessed, he blessed me before it no, was... But, but we can do that in here too, right? Right, we can, well, that we was Adam. That you. was Adam. Right. God treated Adam that way. No, if it's the model home, if it's the prototype of what life is supposed to be, and then sin affects it. Now, follow me here. Sin affected life, and then life became difficult, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus comes to reverse what Adam did so now life's going to be worse? No. If he came to reverse what Adam did, then that means Jesus came to bring us back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Yeah. And he even said, so we could at least believe him for that and not, and not accredit every disaster that happens naturally. Well, that's an act of God. No, that's an act of, of sin. Mm-hmm. Sin brought these things into the world. Yeah, the insurance company wants you to believe it. Oh, the insurance company wants you to believe it because the insurance company, yeah, of course. But it's not, yeah. It's not. So. But the other thing, you you just, in the Old Testament, it it could have been an act of God. And so there's a, a, you need to understand, we all need to understand the difference between the Old Testament and then what Jesus came to do and to fulfill for us believers in the New Testament. Because in the Old Testament, you could say what you just said. You could say that was an act of God and it happened to be true. But we live in a new, a new and better covenant. Absolutely. So that's where that's where that distinction. New and lies. better covenant with better promises, mm-hmm. right? But that promise is to believers. Right. There's a whole lot more people in this world that are not believers, so they're living without what God has promised to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So. And that was always my thing. Like when I when I first got saved, I was my my thing was. Your your spirit's perfected, but why didn't he just make life perfect? Because he can, he could have, right? He he very he very well like, he's God. He can do he can right. right? Like, so theoretically, he could have made life perfect. But why didn't he make life perfect for us, for the rest of time? But that will come. It will come. But but someone once said to me, because he wants you to glorify him, so that you could be a witness to the next person. Like he want like he want Jesus wants to manifest his benefits, his promises, his love, his mercy through you, so that you can take whatever happened prior to getting saved and you can you can prosper you can you can become you can become 
victorious in your trauma. Mm -hmm. So somebody could look at you and be like, that person was in a ditch, whatever ditch that may be. They came to know Jesus. The power of God rose up in them, and they became victorious over this situation. And if and God then, could do it for him, they can do it for me. God will do, do it for me. me. Yeah. Right. Right. But you see, if you're going to hold on to a teaching or a doctrine or a belief system that paints God in the, in the position of, no, maybe God did it for that person but in the Old Testament, but, you know, God doesn't do that stuff anymore. Yeah, God worked miracles. Jesus worked miracles. But that stuff ended at a certain point. I don't see the expiration date anyplace. No. I just don't see it. If the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what he came to do here is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he told us that we will do the same as and right. even more so good. than what he yeah. did. So does anybody have a problem here with God being good? No. Does anybody have a problem here with God being generous? No. We're good then, right? Yes. Let's go back to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is important stuff here. Now, this psalm is very close to my heart because God used this psalm back in 19... 90, and that's a few years ago now. I'm talking about like it was yesterday. <laughs> September the 9th, I started sounding like Brother Hagen now. September the 9th, uh, 1990, on a Saturday morning. Okay, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, paralyzed on one side. Never had a kidney stone attack up until that point. Literally felt like like there were clamps on my side here and completely paralyzed, couldn't move. In pain, like you wouldn't believe. Okay? Uh, I shook my wife, woke her up. I said, start praying. I don't know what's going on, but I'm in tremendous, tremendous pain. Got it to the point where I could at least get out of bed and move around. So, so now, for the next few hours, I'm, I'm just trusting God that I'm going to be okay. So about 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, we were living in Seaside Park then. About 9 o'clock in the morning, there used to be a pharmacy right around the corner from our house, mm -hmm. uh, right next to the Park Bakery. Okay. Anybody know Seaside Park? How many people know Seaside Park? You know what I'm talking about, right? There used to be the pharmacy over there, B&B's uh, pharmacy. So she's going to go and get some kind of painkiller, aspirin, whatever, super Tylenol, I don't know <laughs> what it was. So she's out. David was just a little boy, a little toddler. <laughs> I'm walking around the dining room, and it was one of those old shore houses where you have the big dining room. So we had this long table, and the house was old, long table. I'm, I'm leaning on the thing, holding my side, leaning on the table, walking around the table, praying in tongues, okay? And I hear Psalm 103. Read Psalm 103. Oh, wow. This all happens simultaneously. I'm leaning on the table. I'm praying. I hear Psalm 103. I look up. My wife is walking through the door. She came from the pharmacy. My little son, David, who was a toddler then, is there. Without me saying a word, he goes and grabs my Bible, walks over, hands it to me. I hand it to my wife. I said, Harry, open it up. Read Psalm 103 immediately. She reads Psalm 103. By the time we got to verse 4, the pain went just from my side, down my leg, oh, wow. out my foot, and it was gone. Oh, wow. What does it say? who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Yeah. This stuff works. Mm -hmm. Okay? His word will work when we apply faith to it. Amen. Amen. Now, I was just acting on, I'm in so much pain right now. If God would have said, stand on your head, I would have stood on my head. <laughs> but it worked. Mm -hmm. Psalm 103. Powerful psalm. Anybody have any questions before we go to the next scripture? Christina, right over here, we need a microphone. Are you the only one with a microphone tonight? Hello, okay. Um, so a big question that I had have, and um, 
I feel like I should know this, but I don't know the, I don't, I, I need you to break it down for me. So you know how we go through the Old Testament and we read all, you know, um, all the acts of God, whether like crazy good. I just finished reading Leviticus and like started numbers. So you know where I'm at. You right read now. through Leviticus? <laughs> yes, bless God my bless heart, you. Right? I know, I know, it was a struggle, but it was humbling. Um, but, so I take God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So my question is, um, in terms of like healing and everything he is, um, I'm trying to see how to say it. Like, how is he, you know, when, when you hear people say like, no, that's not the character of God. Like God doesn't do bad things. But then I'm reading everything I'm reading in the Old Testament. Now I know it's the Old Testament, Old Covenant. But then it's like, how do you put that in the same aspect of he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Okay, what exactly are you referring to as far as the difference between God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament? Like, he would never do, you know, he, he only does good things. He only, you know, provides good things. He brings healing. He brings blessing. He brings all good things, right? So then it's so hard when I'm in the Old Testament and I'm like, oh my gosh, all these things. Like what things? What like, I mean, yeah, like, you know, disease and plagues and um, like even in, um, I mean, I can go. You're talking about <laughs> like in Egypt, the plagues? Yeah, like that. Um, there's like so many references. I don't have like my notes right now, but just like the, um, I, I guess I should have had my notes. This is what I was going to meet with you about. <laughs> But um, it, it was just so hard to like read all this stuff and be like, oh wow, like that's a. Okay, you understand that the state. plagues were God's judgment against Egypt, right? Yes, but it's beyond the plagues. So I just wanted to know, like. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it, your question. It's so see that's what, okay. Maybe I'll ask you a little later when I have like more notes. To write. You're talking about like when when God. Are you talking like when God tells? Even like specific like rules. And he's like, if they don't abide, if they don't do this, then I'm going to do this. And if they don't do that, then I'm going to do that. But he like okay, spoke to Moses that or that he, you know, so like when you're reading all this stuff, yes, I know it's under the law. I know we're not under that anymore, but I'm still going to. Yeah, but like, do you understand the reason for the law? Like, but it's Let just, me ask you a question. Could yeah. they do all those little laws that he gave them? No. So yeah, what does so that tell them? point them to Christ. Okay. But, Okay. See, it was like this back and forth with this like uh, specific situation that I was talking to like a family member about healing. Like I was like straight out of Bible school. I'm like, uh, no. And she tried to, you know, hit me with this like Old Testament stuff. And I'm like, no, but that's Old Testament. But She's even like, the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 15. Or she was trying to say like, like, I'm like, but that's not even his character. Even in like, Exodus chapter 15, he says, I am the God that heals you. Yeah. Yeah. He said, so, for I will not permit the things that I permitted to go upon the Egyptians yeah. to come on you. God always makes a distinction between his people and the people that don't believe in him. Amen. Yes. Um, so you understand that? Yeah. Now, I'm not that? now, let's balance that out. That doesn't mean when somebody gets sick or a tragedy happens that that means that that person doesn't belong to God. Yes. Okay, we're in a different. Now, understand this too. Now, we're in a different dispensation, a different time frame. Okay? But we still have an enemy. The enemy still attacks people with sickness and disease. Yeah. The enemy still sets up tragedies in people's lives. 100%. You can't blame God for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm answering your question 100%, so maybe okay. we'll talk about yeah, it another yeah. time. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah, because I have like my... But understand the difference. Now, here's another thing. God had to deal with man differently in the Old Testament than he deals with us now. All right. You have a, a you have a one and a half year old, and that one and a half year old, let's say theoretically, I know you you know, you're done. <laughs> but let's say you have a one and a half year old. You can't sit there and reason with that kid, although some parents try to do that. And it's ridiculous. Okay, you try to reason with an 18 month old. Now, if that 18 month old insists on going to put their hand on an oven, that's hot. Are you going to stand there and watch him do that? What do you do? Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay, why? Because he's not capable of understanding you communicating with him. Now, under the Old Testament, the people did not have the Holy Spirit living in them. 
So God could not deal with them spirit to spirit. And so he had to spank some of them like you would spank a child. Does that make sense? Okay. However, now we have the Holy Spirit within us. He can speak to us spirit to spirit and, and many times does. So you see the little bit of a difference there? So I still don't feel like I answered your question 100%, so we'll talk another time. I don't know. It's possible. But that still there's a different dispensation we're under now. Now the wrath of God is going to be poured out again in the very near future. I'm wondering if it hasn't started already. But, um, yeah, there's a difference now. Sir, you had your hand up. Thank you. Uh, riveting discussion. Um, all of this seems to, uh, the lady's question up there, seems to be coming back to something that I've been thinking myself, which is very early on in Genesis, the Bible says, and possibly you can help me with this interpretation because I've never really understood it, but man is not created in God's image. Man is created in our image, and that is a foreshadow. It's oh, the Trinity. Of yeah. the Trinity, mm -hmm. but it's very early on in the book, so mm -hmm. whether it's genius writing, foreshadowing, whatever it is, as part of the greatest story ever told, it seems, there's no way that that could have been, um, it, it's, it's anachronistic with the rest of the Bible. So I think what the woman is saying up there, or what she's having trouble with, is kind of the same thing that I've had some trouble with too, is that the complexity of God's relationship with man changes over time, but that is because it's foreshadowed early on as, as a result of our being introduced, yet never really fully explained through the writing. Well, the first, the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God, Elohim, is a plural term. Is a plural term, right. exactly. Right. So if viewed through that lens, then I think a lot of this discussion makes more sense because the rarity, it's, it, well, the abundance seems to be in, in sharp contrast to, to actual the rule. The rule is the baby gets spanked, as you just said. The rarity is when that doesn't happen. And so the abundance comes, I guess, from that when something, when the baby doesn't get spanked, then that's where the abundance comes, is you want to be the baby that doesn't get spanked, it seems. Well, I don't think we're ever going to be, if when, the day comes when we figure God out altogether, and he's not God anymore. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of things we don't understand. You know, we know what we know from the word, and that's about as much as we can get at this point. So, anybody else? before we move into the next scripture. Okay. Um, does it have to do with this or? I'm sorry? Okay. All right, wait till you get the mic because I can hardly hear you. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Anyhow, I went to the doctor for a woman's problem, a mastect uh, mammogram, and they were saying it's, uh, there's Suspicion. So I had to go three different times. I kept believing nothing is wrong, and amen, nothing was wrong. So that's the power of, I guess, Psalms believing in all his benefits and his healing. No? Nope. Amen. Thank you. He said, I'm the God that heals you. And, and the way it reads is, I am the God who healeth. You know, we can... We can I think we can safely settle on the fact that it's a continuous thing. As things show up, he's going to take care of them. Well, remember, we're in covenant with God. And when you're in covenant with God, the covenant maker is obligated to the covenant partner to make up for lack and to also provide for the things that are needed. It really comes down to the fact of either having a, a, a negative view of God or having a, a positive view of God based on Scripture. Not because that's the way we want God to be, but because of enough evidence in the Scriptures that he is good, and he's good to his people. Amen. Psalm 68. You there? Yep. So in Psalm 68, it's telling us to look at verse 19, and verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. God of our what? Our salvation. Who daily loads us. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I like to tie that in with his mercies anew every morning. Yeah. You know? So I also would like to tie that into the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. He knows exactly what we're going to need for the day that we're in. He promises us every morning his mercies are fresh, they're new. They're going to be appropriate for that day. Yeah. And if he's saying it here, then this is a promise that we can hold him to. Amen? Amen. So what are, we supposed to re- what are we supposed to remember from Psalm 103? That all well, his benefits. Mm-hmm. What does God load us down with on a regular basis? Benefits. Benefit. A benefit is a good thing, right? Yeah. You know, I grew up in a household where it was like, huh, every day something else is coming, but it was always in a negative context. Yeah. Every day, you know, something new. Every day is another ache and pain. Every day is another. If I didn't, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. So it's, it's a shifting of mindsets, but it's not a wishful thinking yeah. thing. It's there. It's in the scriptures. Um, it's a revelation of, of not just who God is, but truly who we are in him, who we are in Christ. Because I, I was looking at this last question. Um, it says, is there any doubt that God wants believers to be blessed with abundant life? As, I don't think there could be. No, but what Jesus himself said. I've come to bring them life and give it to them more abundantly. Right, so I'm thinking to myself, like, up until the point I got saved, I can recall horrendous things that I did, right? And even in that moment, not knowing much, but just knowing that Jesus died on the cross because he loved me and he wanted me to go to heaven, right? Just believing that little nugget of truth. I believe he loved me above and beyond any horrendous thing I had done up until that point. But then sometimes you can fall into the trap once once you're saved that, oh, like, I'm saved, and I shouldn't be doing this, and, and, and I made a mistake, so, well, he's not going to give me the abundant life today, right? right? Today's the day where I'm going to have to go through go through a bad day because, you know, I was a bad guy yesterday, or, or I made a mistake yesterday. Right. And then every so often, I think most, if not all of us, can, can if we really think about this, we can, we can remember a time where you were not the best person in the world the day before, and you wake up with this mindset that today's going to be a bad day because I was bad yesterday. Um, I yelled at somebody or whatever it is that, that, that happens. And then God blesses you that next day and you're like, what the yeah, heck? Like, yeah, don't do this today. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Of all, of all the, of all I the days. I don't deserve it today because we think we earn it. And that's, and that, and that's, that's, where, I was, that's where I was getting it. we at. think we earn it. Yeah. We fall into that trap that right. my works are going to get me to things and if I don't. Well, do, well let's balance it out, yeah. Okay. Because the, 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 the truth of the matter is, when we get born again, the sowing and reaping principle doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, you sow bad seeds, you're going to have a bad harvest. Yeah. Okay, now, we can, we can kind of short-circuit that if we ask God for forgiveness and repent. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's when the mercies that are new every morning come into effect, and yeah. he daily loads us up with these blessings. But if we insist on, well, I didn't do anything wrong. No, you did something wrong. You, you, you treated a person horribly or you cheated someone uh, in, in business or you just treated somebody terribly or you, did, or you were disobedient to the word. Okay, we, don't, we, we, we forget the sowing and reaping thing. We want to make God responsible for our sowing and reaping. Does that make sense? So now we want, we want to, when, when, we, when we reap something that we sowed, then we say, well, God's punishing me. No, he, God didn't have anything to do with it. He took his hands off the situation. You had free choice. He yeah. allowed you. Now, obviously, the Holy Spirit will deal with us like, don't do that. Right. Don't say that. Don't treat the person like that. Or you need to go ask forgiveness from this person. Mm-hmm. Okay? And sometimes when we're obedient to that, to that leading, I think we short-circuit some of these things. Yeah. But if we ignore that, like, no, I'm not, not, eh, eh, I'm not hearing anything, mm-hmm. there's going to be a harvest that's going to come. Right, and if you're not certain about John 10, 10, that's where you start falling into this mindset that, that God might be doing this because I've, I, I've been, I've been well, sinning. Well, I think it goes beyond that. I think it, it, it's actually holding God responsible for the sowing and reaping process. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I just feel like, I shouldn't say feel like. It seems to me 
See, God's not inventing things as, go, oh, you made a mistake, you did wrong, okay, let me see how I'm going to fix this. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything that's going to be needed. And I don't know, it seems like the scriptures tell us that God has released all of his principles into the earth. All of his promises have been released into the earth. He's given us each the measure of faith to access the grace that, that's needed, especially for salvation, obviously, first and foremost. And it's almost like he goes, okay, here it is. Here, here's all my principles. Here is the revelation of all my character. Here is the revelation of all my promises. Now, what are you going to do with it? Okay, that's a big difference from God having to come up with an answer every time we make a mistake. Right, as if so, he doesn't know what's going on. Not only that, but it's in other words, he's like, look, I've released all the blessings. I've released all the promises. Jesus died once for all, one sacrifice for all. Okay, they're out there. It's, it's, it's hovering over us, just like the Holy Spirit hovered over creation, okay? It's up to us then to now, either we're going to line up with his will, his word, we're going to participate and cooperate with his principles, mm-hmm. or we're going to do without. Right. And that's where Isaiah 119 comes in. Mm-hmm. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But remember what the rest of it says? Mm-hmm. However, if you're rebellious, it doesn't end up too good. No, it doesn't. So why do we then go, well, God punished? No, you, you just worked the system in the wrong direction, and now it's coming back. The fruit is being born, and now you want to blame God for it. I'll just read it from the text so that it says, says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But verse 20 says, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, this was something he spoke to Israel, obviously. But the principle's there. If you are, in fact, in, in, I believe in King James, it says if you're willing and obedient, you should eat the fat of the land. Because everybody knows fat is flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't put too much butter in anything. Not too much nutrients, but the flavor is right. there. So, so again, it's the nature of God. Um, John three sixteen. Do you want, everybody want to say it together? Ready? One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here comes the condition. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God throws it out there. John 3, 16 is out there. For everybody. For, for, the whole, for everybody, everybody that's ever existed. Yeah. It's there. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with it? Well, it's, uh, how could God send somebody to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. Mm-hmm. He made the provision for us to avoid hell. If you don't take advantage of that provision, you can't blame God. Right. So now, there's all these other principles in the Word. Yeah. If you don't qualify, if you don't and I, when I say the word qualified, people get nervous because mm-hmm. we don't like responsibility. No. Now, we were talking about this recently. I forget where. I don't know. Maybe you can remind me because maybe you were there or not. I said recently, people qualify for prosperity. I don't remember where you said that. I, I, I don't remember either, but I remember saying it because there are certain principles in the word. You talked about Genesis 14. I know that. At some point over the last six weeks, you've yes, talked about Genesis, Genesis 14. 14. Right, which is an important, it's important revelation of who God is. Okay, Abram has to go rescue his nephew Lot. He gets all his trained soldiers or trained servants, 318 servants, and they go and he defeats, I think, five kings, I think it is, or four or five kings, whatever it was, and he rescues his, his nephew Lot, and on the way back, he stops by present-day Jerusalem, and there's a man that meets him there who's named Melchizedek, Melech Zedek, king of righteousness, okay? And he gives him, Abraham, Abram gives him 10% of the spoils that he took from these, from these kings, okay? Gen- Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. What things? We've talked about this at length many times. I've taught on it many times. Abram qualified for Genesis 15 because of Genesis 14. God saw how Abram handled himself, okay? And that qualified him for an upgrade. So God says to him, from now on, I am your recompense. Okay, now we get lost in that wording. Recompense means I'm your paymaster. I'm the one that's going to pay you. In other words, from now on, Abram, you're on my payroll. Now, Abram 
That wasn't what God said to him in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, he hasn't qualified yet. Why? In Genesis chapter 12, God says, come out from the country that you live in, leave your family, get out, look, leave everything that you're comfortable with, and I'll take you to a place that you know not. Now, that took faith. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where he's going to find when he gets there. Especially because he had some stuff that he was leaving behind. He had stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Abraham. Everybody thinks Abraham was poor until Genesis 12. No, Abraham was very rich before Genesis 12. But God said, now I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to bless you so in such a way that you know it's coming from me. Yeah. But he, now watch this now. But he had to take the wealth that he already had and submit it to God. Yeah. And he says something interesting to Melchizedek, right? Doesn't he say something to the effect of, um, I don't want anything from you because... No, no, no. Abraham said that. I, Abraham says it. Right, because the king of Sodom said, take the stuff, give me the people, mm-hmm. which that's a whole other teaching, okay? You keep the stuff, just give me the people. He was interested in, in, in making them slaves and yeah. everything else that was going on in Sodom, okay? Mm-hmm. So Abraham says, I'm not taking anything from you. I won't even take a shoelace from you. Because I know what you'll do. You go around and tell all the people in our land that you're the one who made Abraham rich. Right. Now, what was he declaring? He was declaring a dependence on God. God's the source. Genesis chapter 14. Mm-hmm. What happened? Genesis chapter 15. You work for me now. Yep. I'm your great reward. Now, doesn't it make sense that the God, the creator of the universe, who had all this, Bible says, all the silver and all the gold is his. Mm-hmm. Okay. All the cattle. All the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him, right? Mm-hmm. It's all his. Wouldn't it make sense if he teaches us all these stewardship principles all throughout the Word of God, would he not also operate in stewardship principles? Yeah, of course. He's, yeah. the, he's the originator of stewardship principles. Mm-hmm. So as a good steward, does he entrust all of that he has to somebody who, who, who hasn't earned that trust? No, in of fact, course not. In fact, he takes away from people who, who break the trust. Well, parable of the, of the talents. Mm-hmm. Take it from the guy who did nothing with it. Give it to the guy who did everything with it. Mm-hmm. So that man... The first one in the parable obviously earned the respect of the master, okay? The guy who did nothing with it, he established a negative track record. Mm -hmm. Well, we see it in everyday life. Person wins a lottery, they win $20 million, and two years later, they're on food stamps. They they didn't know how to handle that wealth. They weren't a good steward over it, Mm -hmm. all right? You even see it. It doesn't even have to be a lottery thing. You go, uh, George, we've talked about this recently. You go, one generation is the pioneer, establishes everything. Yeah. Creates this mechanism for great wealth. Second generation, eh, I'll go, I'll work it, but I want six weeks vacation. Right. Third generation, nah, I don't even want this. I want to do something else. My heart is in a different place. So what happened to that, that poor slob that sacrificed everything in the first generation? Does that honor him? No. No. Is this too real tonight? God wants to bless all of us with abundance. Now, what that abundance is, I I believe it varies from individual to individual. It varies. It also depends on what is the mandate that he placed on your life. What are you supposed to accomplish? And while you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, this idea that when if we don't necessarily trust that everything we have comes from God, not just material stuff, but our, our power, our, our dominion, our, our creativity, our talents, our giftings, yeah, if, our if, abilities. If you don't believe that, if you believe that it's all derived from yourself, I was thinking about this scenario, like, let's say you're having a really bad day, and you see somebody, and, and God puts it on your heart to talk to them, to evangelize them, to tell them about salvation, to tell them about the cross. And because you're so caught up in your head, whatever whatever's going on, whether it's something you did wrong or you're worried about your finances. Oh, you're spending all your time thinking about how you're going to hold on to this. You can't look and seek right. that opportunity or take advantage of the opportunity. And that prosperity is not just material. You, you, you literally have this gift in, in that moment to, to, to bring the gospel to somebody yeah. and possibly change not just their destination, but their life here on earth. For generations. But if you're so caught up in what you're doing or you think that your power to, to, to witness to this person only comes from you and you're not trusting that God's your source, you may withdraw because I can't pass I can't do that in my I own strength. The, I don't have the words. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know enough. I, yeah. 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 But if you just open your mouth. So then in that area, I'm not prospering. Right. Right. Prosperity would be for me to have 
the type of relationship with God where he's, I'm, I'm allowing him to speak through me mm-hmm. to someone. And restoring the word also. So then go to Third John, verse 2. I should have went there. Because so, you have your, yeah. Third John, verse 2. Uh, hold on a second. Is Third John sacred scripture? Yeah. Yeah. The last the letter that John wrote to the church, is it sacred scripture? Yeah. Is it just as anointed as John three sixteen? Yes. Is it the truth of God's word? Okay, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. There's a condition, just as your soul prospers. Now, Abraham in Genesis chapter 1 had some prosperity of soul, Mm -hmm. but that prosperity of soul increased by the time we come to Genesis chapter 14, Mm -hmm. which qualifies him for Genesis chapter 15. Okay? We can very much line ourselves up, and when we line ourselves up to principles of God, especially when it comes to stewardship, mm-hmm. okay? We can qualify for the next level of responsibility over the resources that God has on this earth. And unfortunately, we can lose some stuff. We can lose. If we, if we, if we start establishing a negative track record, being abusive with the stuff, mm-hmm. holding on to stuff that somebody else might need, then we go backwards. Then you see your resources shrinking. But to be clear, that wouldn't be God taking it away from us. No, We're, it's your work in the principle in reverse. Right. There's one that gives and increases. Mm-hmm. There's one that withholds and has less. Yeah. In the natural, it doesn't make sense, but we're not in the natural. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are in a kingdom that has spiritual principles. Now, it's when we work money. those spiritual principles here on earth, they affect the natural. They affect the natural. So, anybody else have questions or anything? Yes. Wait till the mic gets there. Can you share a little bit more about the order of Melchizedek? So. I'm not sure I know what you're asking me. In um, Hebrews. In Hebrews. um, Chapter 8, I think. Hebrews 7. It says Jesus like Melchizedek. And it talks about if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood for on the basis of the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come? Well, that's, that's more tied to Jesus than it is Melchizedek. Right. Okay. So some people teach that Melchizedek may have been a pre-Bethlehem incarnation of Christ. We know that when it speaks of the angel and the Lord in the Old Testament, it's Jesus that appears, because Jesus always was, always is, always will be. His body, natural body, appeared on earth in Bethlehem, but Jesus always was, always is. So there's other people that that teach that he was one of Noah's grandchildren or grandsons or something like that, or one of Noah's sons. We don't know. We don't have enough information, okay? But... Melchizedek represents the, the priesthood, okay? But then Aaron comes along, and he also represents the priesthood. And Aaron's probably a better example of the priesthood uh, status of us in the New Testament than Melchizedek is. But your point is this. Under the law, nobody could attain perfection. You can't, let's put it this way. You could go to the temple in Jerusalem or to the tabernacle when, in, with Moses' day, and offer a million sacrifices. Now, the offering of a sacrifice covered your sin. But nobody left the temple born again. It's just the blood covering our sins. It's not until the Lamb of God comes on the scene that one sacrifice, which in Hebrews chapter 10, I think it's verse 14, says, by one sacrifice, he, God, perfects us who are being sanctified. So you have the immediate perfection, which our spirits are made perfect in Christ. But then you have the sanctification process. That could never be accomplished under the Old Testament. The most you could get is that your sins are covered for another year. And then every year on Yom Kippur, which is coming up soon, you would have to sacrifice again and get covered for the next year. So that sacrificial went on and on and on and on until Jesus gets on the cross. Okay, 
And that's part of what he meant when it's finished. It's fulfilled. Okay? I don't know if I answered your question, but... Do you believe when you had those kidney stones, when you prayed, the Holy Spirit gave you the word, and so when you declared the word of God, it was the power of the word that healed you? You're talking you, about in the Old Testament? No. When you had your kidney stones... Oh, those and stones. And you were praying... I told you about the <laughs> stones that the priest was wearing. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know one of those things. I don't yeah. So when you were praying, oh, it was the power. There was the power of the word. Absolutely. Okay. So I, a few months ago, was sharing a testimony on a Saturday night, and I went to bed in the middle of the night. I had that same pain, and I woke up in the morning and I said, "Lord, do I go to the emergency room or do I go to church?" And I heard the Lord say, "Go where I am." And so I got to church, and I had someone pray over me. And they said, there's a seed of unforgiveness that has settled in. And you need to go to the altar. And I don't need to go with you. You can go, with, go by yourself and anoint yourself. And I want you to read, I want you to read Hebrews um, 9, 13. And this kind of goes where that girl was just saying, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanses our conscience from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So while I was at the altar, the, the Lord, Holy Spirit revealed to me that when I shared my testimony, I shared in a way of justifying my action of sin. And I didn't in unforgiveness? Have, in unforgiveness. And I didn't have mercy and grace for the other one that I was talking about in sharing my testimony of who Jesus is in my life. The minute I repented from that, I'm telling you, it was like this gush that came out the stone went away, and I was completely healed. Isn't that amazing? I believe it's because I went to the altar, and there's something powerful okay, about so, the so, oil. So you cooperated with the Holy Spirit. That's right, through right. the word of God. It wasn't that you did it on your own. You In cooperated prayer, with the Holy Spirit. He gave me that, so that's right. why Thank I God asking. for his mercy, and thank Amen. God for his grace. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Questions? Go ahead. Well, wait till the microphone. Microphone. We need more than one person with microphones here. We do, or we have. Okay. So I don't know if this. Hold is it closer. Sorry. Okay. I don't know if this is a question more about like my attitude or mindset towards God, but I feel like. We're my what towards God? my attitude or like mindset towards God? Sense, you said sense? Attitude or mindset. Oh, mindset, I thought you meant my something. Okay, no, go ahead. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, because uh, we're talking about like his benefits and what he wants to load us with every day and I feel like a lot of the examples that have been given are about people who sort of have this expectation of what they should deserve or whatever. And I feel like I'm part of a, a, on the opposite side of the spectrum where um, Hold the microphone up. I struggle with feeling like um, like there's a weight of like sin and shame and guilt and struggling with feeling worthy of that. And then I feel like every time <laughs> I feel like it ends up creating a block between being able to really rejoice in the love of God, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that shift is. In or I, I, I could tell you straight out that shift is going to come when you gain the knowledge of the word as it applies to that. Especially that there's now no condemnation to those who are... The enemy always uses condemnation to get us to not receive the promises of God by telling us, you're not worthy of this. Yeah, God will do it for somebody else. But after all, you did this and you did that and this is your attitude. and to, It always comes back to God will use guilt and condemnation to, excuse me, Satan will use guilt and condemnation 
to cause you not to stretch forth your hand to take hold of what he's promised you. So I would suggest you stay behind when we dismiss and have somebody pray for you, okay? Pastor Pam, sure. I just want to say um, two things. Keep and the one, mic up. Um, one thing is, for all of you that played hooky this weekend and didn't hear the message, go online and listen to it. Um, because <laughs> I know we didn't have church here. and so Anyway, I, I felt like Sunday um, the message was probably one of the most powerful messages, but I want to encourage you, first of all, sister, to really get hold of the father, the love of a father, because that will change how you see yourself um, and receive from God. But I, I felt like the last point on restoration this past weekend just sums up the heart of God and how God's nature is restorative. Absolutely. And how I, I said to my brother, because I was at wall, I said, when I was listening to the last part of the message, I literally felt like I experienced the heart of a father in a way that caused me to just weep, that the love of God, and it's, there's a situation going on for me right now that I can't really talk about because it's personal, that my heart has been breaking for someone that's very close to me because something was taken and whatever from them. And so my heart was already like tenderized in that area. And then hearing about the restoration of a father and the heart of a father that when he sees his child hurting or in lack, he he has the resources and the means to be able to restore that Absolutely. and it's because and it's who he is and so and one of the things real fast at the end that he shared a story my brother had shared a story on how he talks to toll collectors a lot and he it's his thing when he goes through the tolls and he always like ministers to them and he said one time a woman who goes to our church works at the toll booth or a few different people that go to church and he said one time they shorted me and didn't realize they forgot to give me money. And he said it was late at night, it was tired, so I never really went back to get that $10. And he said months went by and he ran into this person and she was like, oh my gosh, I have your $10, I have your $10, this is yours. I wanted to give it back to you because we shorted you the money. And hearing that story too reminded me, he's like, how much more would you, this woman tracked me down to get me this money because it was taken from me. How much more does the heart of a father say that was taken from my child? Amen. Sickness, you know, and so I, I would want to encourage anyone to go listen to the message from this past weekend. Yeah, God is a God of restoration. And I, I don't think we, I do not believe we focus on that, on that part of God's character enough. Pastor, can and I, I, I made that statement uh, when I was teaching the message this weekend. God hates when his children suffer loss. He hates it. Can I read one thing real fast? It's very quick. Um, from a book that I have, I actually was like, let me pull the book up online. It's um, by Chris Vallotton. It's called Wealth, Poverty, Wealth, Riches, I think. And he said wealth, he's kind of like regarding it as like godly wealth, is the ability, resources, strength, and wisdom to create positive outcomes in the midst of lack, poverty, and emptiness. Wealth is light in the darkness, healing in sickness, prosperity in poverty, wholeness in brokenness, favor in obscurity, love for the unlovely, beauty for ashes, and victors among victims. And I thought that really sums up what you're sharing. Uh, absolutely. And I keep going back to that. I know we have some, some people, newer people here tonight. And I, I, always wanna, I always go back to this example that God set. And we're talking about Genesis chapter 12, 13, 14. Okay, you don't have to go there. In Genesis chapter 14, God starts out, excuse me, 15, God starts out telling him, you work for me now. Mm -hmm. Well, by the end of the chapter, God is performing this covenant ritual. Okay, and before that happens, he says to Abram, your descendants are going to be slaves in a, in a foreign nation. I'm paraphrasing it, but it's right there. He said, but I'm going to judge that nation and I'm going to bring them back to this land. Mm -hmm. Okay? So now 400 or 430 years goes by. And I love using this illustration because nobody ever talks about it. Hollywood movie after Hollywood movie, nobody ever portrays the Exodus accurately. They always have a bunch of beggars dressed with rags coming out of Egypt, can barely walk. Their animals are all like... That's the complete opposite because the Bible tells us that because Egypt took advantage of his children, because Egypt made them slaves, 
God, before they were allowed to leave Egypt, and God will make you go get restored sometimes, before they were allowed to leave Egypt, okay? Most people say, yeah, I know, he had them uh, eat a meal and unleavened bread because they were rushing out, made them meet with their sandals. No, 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 everybody forgets that God said to Moses, tell the people to go to their neighbors and go knock on the door and take everything they have. Why? Because for 400 years they were taken advantage of. So if God was a God that was satisfied with you suffering loss, why would he have done it? He made it a requirement for them before they left. They took everything from Egypt. They spoiled the Egyptians. God made them come out with, I just have this imagination of them walking out with bracelets and necklaces and rings and 16 five, hats. Five uh, yeah, 16, 16 Louis Vuitton pocketbooks. That's the nature and character of God. Hallelujah. And we always make him out to be like, well, he's okay with us getting beat up by the devil. No. No. Hallelujah. We're good? All right, because it's... We went like 11 minutes later than we said we usually do, and I know people have to get their kids to school tomorrow and stuff like this. Going to come back next week? Yes. You promise? Yes. All right. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, God bless you.